This podcast is brought to you by Tropos, weather and forecast for humans. No dew points or ads, just information you can act on. Get it now at troposweather.com or search for Tropos on the iOS app store. This is the podcast right here. We're back in action. Yeah, back on track. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back to, to work. I feel Feels like good. we should we should get Aerosmith in here. We should have Tom uh, put poured in some back in the saddle again. <laughs> yeah. That that's actually not bad. Uh <laughs> I would ha- I would have performed a lot worse if I had tried. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is the Tentative Podcast, where we discuss digital product design. I'm Kyle, and with me is... Red Alamedin from sunny Stockholm. Oh, I forgot to use my last name and, and location. It's fine. <laughs> Everyone knows you're Kyle Fiedler from Philadelphia. You're famous now. See, I've seen your, your face on a Trello board inspiration thing. I was Did like, you yeah, see I that? Know that guy. Yeah, I know that guy. He's, he's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> and he's awesome he loves ie and yeah man that and trello did you great. wait you, did you actually see it before i tweeted out it tweeted it out so. or <laughs> yeah Dude, do you think do you think i just go around the web clicking all links and trying to find kyle no that's not that's I, I not something tweet, people I clicked, do i clicked and i thought I, it will be at the bottom of the list or something <laughs> but you were like you know bam kyle fiedler chief was, design officer it was but in the middle great. for me like really? smack down it was, in the it, middle. It was literally the first item I saw. It, it's the first below the head, the, the head oh, of the hero. Wow. Man. Uh, I'm not sure. Which, it, is it I, randomized then? I think I use IE. That's why. Oh. I'm, I'm not even making this up. I'm not using IE, but it was the first of the list. So maybe it's randomized. I'll check again today. So I listened to the last episode and I really enjoyed the talk you had with uh, Brenda. Do you have anything to add on top of S- the SVGs that we talked about? No, not in specific. Like I really like SVG, uh, just as a as a technology and as a solution to a lot of common problems. So no, I don't have anything specific except the fact that I really enjoyed the episode, and I think I'm I'm really glad to see SVG uh, being used more and more. Um, it's, it's one of those cases where a technology was ahead of its time when SVG just came out, uh, like th- it was used here and there, but it wasn't very useful because mostly like screens did not, were not that good. So raster images were better, but now that we've got a wide, like range of screen resolutions, then SVG really shines as a solution. And it's kind of like back as a big thing pretty much like uh, animated gifs like they kind of like died for a while and then they they, they got resurrected uh, i feel like svg like had the same treatment uh yeah and and i like i like standards and open protocols so i'm, I'm totally in for for using more svg cool i don't know if the uh comparison to animated gifs is no. or gifs GIFs. It's not. It's not a good comparison because we mostly use animated GIFs for things that are not important. Right. But that doesn't mean they're not useful. I've seen them used used in pretty create like creative ways to like, uh, for instance, show like uh, some sort of like process or like animation or explaining some concepts that are 
hard to to explain with just like static images. So there are some creative uses of for of uh, animated gifs or gifs or whatever, but uh, not not as useful as as SVG uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, it's interesting that uh, I've had this uh, exchange with uh, Gordon, who is our mobile director. I'm bad with titles, but he does iOS at Thoughtbot. <laughs> and he, he tweeted, so he there was this thing that Apple introduced in uh, Safari 8, I think, or 9. Uh, I'm not sure which version is it. But uh, in the new Safari in, in uh, El Capitan, and uh, it's the pin tab feature that existed in Chrome for a very long time. And Gordon was upset that uh, Apple did not uh, use the fav icon and they like basically they they want you to use an SVG and like a monochrome SVG for that icon, and Gordon did not like that of course. And he said like, uh, of course they should default to the fav icon because that's a feature that existed for a very long time in Chrome and it's what most people expect. But I said that I am actually happy that they didn't do that, and the reason is uh, is actually twofold. First is I think SVG is a superior technology for that sort of stuff like for for icons and things like that uh, like the, even the the dot ico type is is so like old and also it came it, it was it was it became popular with the internet explorer and, and windows it's it's not even a a format that that's as open as say svg or or, or png or whatever and the fact that a lot of websites have really, really, really bad uh, fav icons because they don't bother. It's, so the fav icon is, is that last bit of your website that a lot of people never bother to, to, to fix. You know, it's the, the, la- the thing you keep for as like the last thing you think about. When yeah, you're building but a people website. aren't going to actually care about fav icon and a SVG for the tabbed safari users i i agree i agree Safari users like the use case there is even i totally agree i think i think most developers won't even bother Mm -hmm. but i like apple's solution so what they do is they take the initial from the website like title i think or the page title and they use the they use some algorithm to get the dominant color i'm not sure if they use the fav icon to get that as gordon suggested or they actually like look at the HTML or CSS. CSS. I have no clue. I'm I'm actually planning to do a little like test to figure out how to do it. But uh, until I do that, they they kind of like guess the do, uh, like the dominant color. Uh, so if for instance you pin thoughtbot.com, you will get a red T, and if you do it for Twitter, you will get a blue T, etc. Uh, but only when activated. When it's uh, not activated, it's gonna be a black icon and that's why they want a monochrome svg they don't want a colored svg uh and i really really like the way it looks and the way it's consistent and i know that i mean a lot of people think that this is apple being too bossy dictating their own uh way of doing things that's not even part of a of a spec but i think that's how we move forward like if if we want to force developers to do something that's better for the end user, then we've got to sacrifice, like, we've got to, like, force them to do that. Because if we use the fallback for the fav icon, no one would bother updating their fav icon. 
and I I just don't like five, five, looking at five icons to be honest. Like the like good websites uh, take the time to to have nice icons. Like you know all this like stuff we use. I guess Google, all the Trello, Slack, etc. Uh, mostly web apps and also like you know uh, content which, websites. Which websites are you pinning? Like most of the sites that I pin, uh, or I should say, all of the sites that I pin have really good fav icons. That is not untrue. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> there might be websites that I want to pin that have really bad fav icons or don't have a, a high resolution. Like even now, like most of the most of the websites, they still have like sixteen by sixteen icons, and that doesn't sit right with me, especially in Chrome, because you see them all the time. And that's one of the reasons why I don't use Chrome as a as a user. Uh, it's, <laughs> Is it I, because I of fav icons. It's because of <laughs> a lot of these design details well you're <laughs> basically making fun of me saying this but it's not it's not fav icons per se it's a lot of these small like design details that keep piling up and ended uh, end up in a product that's not necessarily i mean it's it works well and it's really good but there's always that something that's not right uh, and it's not one thing it's just a lot of small things that are not right and uh, that's Chrome what I has... feel like every time I've started using Safari is it has a lot of things that are right. Like the interface looks nicer, but it has like some weird things that I do not like that Chrome has. Give me an example. The bring back the last tab you closed shortcut. Command, that's command Z. Yeah, the but way, it, don't, the it only it like... goes... One, back one there is no history with chrome i can command shift t all i want and it'll continually bring back tabs wait well that's i think that's not very that doesn't make a good use of resources if you want to go back three levels just click on the history and i'm too go, lazy to do that well that's th th there's one thing that safari clearly wins is the the energy use i mean yep. obviously we use our computers most of the time plugged in so we don't care but safari makes sure that it, it uses absolute minimum uh amount of energy to do that sort of stuff and i think yeah it, i might have wished sometimes to have command z work at least twice but anything beyond than twice is probably doesn't make a lot of sense given that you can just go to the history and change stuff i think one thing i miss from chrome and i think my only and it's something that actually can be fixed uh, with an extension is a uh, command one, two, three, et cetera, to go to uh, a tab uh, because yeah, in Safari, the, those bring up bookmarks, yeah. which sometimes it's useful, but not most not of the as time. Useful. It's not that was, so yeah. that was another one. Um, it probably is just because I've spent more time in the inspector in Chrome. Um, and the new Safari inspector looks very intriguing. And um, when I eventually get the new operating system, I'll certainly check it out. But I heavily prefer Chrome's uh, inspector versus Safari's inspector. Yeah, I, I use Chrome's inspector too, but I've been using it less and less recently. Uh, not maybe just because I'm not doing a lot of like JavaScript heavy stuff. That's where where the Chrome inspector is clearly better. But yeah, I mean I've been using the Safari one more and more. You, the the one in Safari has more design polish but less features, I guess. Whereas in Chrome, it's more 
straightforward like uh, it, some parts are not really like the icons it took them so long to update uh, the icons with a retina ready icons and <laughs> stuff like that but i think overall it's it's more performance and has a lot more features features to at least compared to the current version of safari i haven't tried the new one yet yeah and then the last thing which is probably the most important to me is uh vimium so plug-in <laughs> oh yeah um uh, to me that that plugin alone like makes Chrome a very good experience. Whereas there is a similar plugin for Safari, and the last time I checked it out, it wasn't nearly as good. Yeah, I guess it's not as maintained. Uh, Probably not. I feel like a lot of Safari extensions are not very active, but uh, but recently I've been making my own. So whenever I feel like something is not right, I just make an extension. I'm glad uh, that you have the time extent. to do that. Uh, it's, it's it took me like 15 minutes to recently i did one where it makes the links more accessible so in in chrome when you hover over a an anchor you get at the bottom in the status bar the destination mm -hmm. in safari there is that feature but you have to it's not just in that uh, so there, there are two things there's the built-in like status bar which covers the entire window edge to edge and then you can see the the url there there's also an extension that mimics uh, Chrome, but to me, all of these are not good solutions because they they force you to to travel, like to look down every time you want to check the destination. So I built a small extension that takes the destination, like the href, and puts it in the title attribute. So when you hover over a link, you get a nice little thing that shows you the destination beside the title if it exists already. So... Yeah, it took me like 15 minutes and I'm using it quite a lot. Makes makes the browsing experience a lot better, especially since a lot of the times you, you don't want to click something until you check whether it's uh, going to be an external link or a download or a PDF, uh, things like that. Um, actually, there was one thing that I wanted to make the conversation of today uh, that's related to what we just talked about. What's that? And it's the fact that when you design a product, sometimes you're obliged to give the user some amount of control over how things look and behave mm -hmm. and how that constitutes in a lot of times a big challenge to keep things looking good when users have some amount of like freedom. So if you look at the uh, five icon thing, uh, like browser makers really can't, can't go around and force developers to, to make nice icons and the icons they they show up in in the browser resulting in really good to really bad results depending on how much effort it was put in there uh, cases where you can see this are i don't know the app store also apps that allows people for instance to upload like profile pictures and things like that uh, i think i think it's a common challenge for designers to design a ui that would work with any uh, user input or user content, uh, especially what comes to mind are images, um, icons, colors, things like that. Um, have you ha have you have you had this experience before of making something that needs to accommodate to an unknown number of things that are user input? Uh, lots of lots of lots of lots of things. I like to call this, at least from my perspective, I I, I go about it as like the the MySpace effect. <laughs> or the, the the MySpace scale, where you have like Facebook on one side, which like lets you add 
text and a photo, right? Or at least originally, now they probably let you add a lot more. And then you have MySpace on the other side of that that let you edit everything. Like, however you wanted your page to look, it would look that way. And 99% of MySpace pages looked awful. And (laughs) (laughs) all of the Facebook pages looked the same. And it's kind of like, where in that scale do you want to sit? Um, Or where in that scale does it make sense for your users to sit? Don't don't you think Twitter is kind of like in the middle right now because you can change colors and header and stuff like that. And I, I've seen some Twitter profiles with really ugly colors and things like that. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle between MySpace and, and Facebook. Yeah, I think a bunch of other places have done that too. Uh, like I know Basecamp for the longest time, the old Basecamp, you could change like the color of the header to match your brand and you can upload a logo and now the new base camp, I don't think they, they went from like kind of being in the middle of letting you customize a little bit to like going towards the, the Facebook regulated route where I don't think you're even allowed to have your logo anymore. How do you feel personally? Like more of a Facebook or more of a MySpace? I would rather see, well, I, it depends. I think for a lot of the times I would rather see the nicer design and have people figure out a way to communicate their personalities through a pre-formatted design. Like themes or something like that? So so I think there's lots of options to go down. Like Facebook chose a specific option. I think a site that does a great job of this is Squarespace, right? They have custom theme or design themes, and they're all really nice looking. Like whenever someone comes to me for... A site design, I just shoot them over to Squarespace because I know no matter what their design sense is, they'll end up with something that's nice looking. So again, they're kind of like sitting in the middle there. They're letting people choose. They're giving people some option, um, but they're not letting people design that option. Uh, didn't they Didn't they allow some sort of, I think they allow CSS injection or something like that. Yeah, but that ter- takes a certain level certain knowledge level, right? Like That's right, yeah. I was never on MySpace, so I don't know like what the defaults were. The defaults are what I consider the most important because you're you're setting people's expectations on what the design should look like or like the the design sense should be at the beginning as opposed to letting them establish that. I feel like I, I'm pretty much with Apple or Facebook in, in this case, where I'd rather limit what people can do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like to have more control over the end result. And uh, as a result, I would rather see more limitations. So for instance, if the users need to, up, to upload an avatar, which is super common, I would probably require a certain size rather than say, yeah, whatever size or format, we'll figure it out. And a lot of times the result is pretty bad if it's not a specified like size. Uh, same, same thing goes for colors. And colors is super tricky because if you're allowing users to change colors and giving them a color wheel where they can choose <laughs> whatever color they want, you, you got to be prepared to uh, some really ugly looking results. And to some degree, like you might argue that it's fine. If the user herself is not bothered with that, then why would you be bothered 
But I think I would say that as someone who makes that thing, I would be bothered to look at it in that state. Pretty much like, I don't know. I, I don't have a good uh, analogy for, for this thing because it's not very common in other fields. But I feel like in software design, it's super common to see to see like users taking over and changing everything. Maybe it happens in cars, <laughs> but I don't know. It's. I it's think nice. it's a, up to us to be able to design a way for them to safely add personality to their apps. So if we go back to the the Twitter example, for me, I think is really great because I've yet to come across, maybe that's because of the people I follow, so it's totally <laughs> anecdotal. Yeah, definitely. But like, I've yet to come across a bad Twitter profile. They give you safe defaults and then they give you... They also like give you pre-formatted themes, right? So they, they're not like, here's a bunch of colors for you to choose. Good luck. They're like, okay, if you choose, like, here's, here's the red theme. Here's the blue theme. Well, I, I don't think that's how Twitter works, though. I think you... you There's a time, way to figure this out. Last time I checked, there was a, uh, like a hex field where you can just put any value. I will check again, but... I agree with you that the results are, are most of the time good or okay. It feels like it's, it's somewhere in the middle, as I sort of said earlier. But uh, like in general, I just feel like it's a, something that we, as designers, that sometimes it's hard to deal with. So I had to work on apps that um, were web apps mostly that uh, would allow some certain level of uh, customization, like in terms of, colors and things like that and most of the time it was me pushing back on this like either pushing back or off, like offering something like uh, predefined themes or like presets where you can just select from one of these not like a you know a color wheel or, or something like that and this happens a lot in colors in fonts too like fonts are very hard for normal users to to figure out especially things that allow you to set any font you want. Uh, a lot of this is rare. I don't see it that much, but some desktop apps definitely have that uh, like feature of like choosing whatever font you want. There's also images and images is one of the, like one of the, one of the things we deal with most. And I said earlier that maybe by like having a specific size uh, you could limit the amount of shenanigans that, that could happen. But even size is not enough because say you have like images in your app, web or mobile, and a user uploads a... So say your, your app background is white and a user uploads a totally white user picture. So as someone who makes the UI, you need to be aware that this is a possible case and you need to design for it. Yeah, so I, by design I, for it means, you know, there are a lot of things you can do, but you still, it's something you have to do on purpose. It's not something that happens accidentally. Uh, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, have you dealt with this, something like this case before? Yep, I have. I've, I've dealt with it for a couple of the apps that I've built. Like, I think as a designer, you need to be aware of all the potential possibilities and plan for them. I also think, like like I said, you need to be able to design so that they can design uh, quality and result. And if you have a white website and they decide to upload a white photo for their background, like as long as you hopefully your text isn't white on top of that, you you should be allowing them to do that. Yeah, but like, what kind <laughs> of solutions have you used? Like, 
don't use a picture as the background. <laughs> no, but but not necessarily the entire background. Just like a a user picture, for instance. Like think of a list with like user avatars and then some text in front of them. Like so, if you're doing this kind of use case, then you have to use some sort of like shadow, like either inner shadow or or drop shadow, so that even if the picture is white or maybe border. Uh, even if the picture is the same color as the background, it can still be visible because otherwise it will it will just throw the balance off, like the visual balance of the site. Yeah, I mean, all all three of those, like somehow figuring out a way to frame the photo that they're allowed to upload, will help aid the design. I also think like you're you're giving them control and. As much as possible, you want to educate them and give them, help them make the right decision. But in the end, they're going to make the decision that they want to make. And as designers, we build things for people to use, right? right. So we should be okay with those decisions that they make. Yeah. But, but, but like, obviously, like, there's always the part where it's going to be the user, but sometimes it's not even the user. It's just like uh, the, the real content that's going to be used in the app might be different from uh, the one you're using to design it. And it, it also like, fall, it kind of like falls into the same category. It's probably, uh, it's not the same as changing colors, but also it's still like the amount of text you end up with and the, the, the type of images you end up with will affect a lot the way your app looks uh, if, uh, you know, when it pulls that content. And I feel like a lot of the the failed design is because the designer spent a lot of time designing with like Laura Mipsum or even not, not like, yes, there's Laura Mipsum that's pretty bad. But then even like if they used some sort of like ideal content for that specific use case, then once the app is live, you can clearly see that this was not thought through when you see like a lot of like widows and orphans or some images are not fitting properly. And a lot of the uh, shortcomings of UI design, I feel like is this like this attention to, to detail when it comes to pulling different types of content and how to treat those like different uh, types of content. Uh, did you have, like, do you have this impression as well? Or is it, is it just, my hope is that that's something that people figure out really early on. Like, Within my first app, like I got to see people use it. And for me, the biggest thing that comes to mind is names. Like names can be really short or really, really long. And so I now have, I have like a series of names that I'll throw in while I'm building the app to make sure that I'm planning for enough space for those, for those names. Right. I agree with you. Like as you're designing the app, and I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of our designers like to jump into the actual app as soon as possible, is like, if you can get real content, that's amazing, and you should be designing with that. The second best thing is using a wide variety of content. So making sure that you're, like, like in that last case, I'm using like 5 to 15 names that I'll throw in every time I'm designing an application. And so if they're like user posts, I'm making sure to use a variety of those names and not just the same name over and over because then I'll be designing for that, that name's length. So however many yeah. characters that, that name is, it'll look perfect if, you're, <laughs> if you're, your name is that many characters. But if you're longer, maybe it breaks. Or if it's shorter, maybe there's too much weight space. 
Um, there's certainly a lot of like small details to worry about there. Do you ever truncate names? I try not to. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a tricky thing. Names are something that's very personal to people, uh, and cutting them off is like, I don't know. It's equivalent to me is spelling spelling someone's name wrong. Yeah, there's this really in iOS nine. There's this really cool like new feature that allows you to specify a text field or a label as a name and they have this library that's really cool so it knows about all the for name formats of different cultures and different languages and it knows also how to shorten them so say like you have a middle name if it if it recognizes that it's an english uh, or like it's a western middle name then it, it, it knows when to uh, use an initial instead of the full thing and if it's a japanese name it would know when to use only the last name because last name i guess comes first in uh in japanese and i guess chinese anyways it's 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 a, an aware container of of names it's it's a smart like field and i guess you can do that in in on the web as well uh, with some javascript library possibly but it's nice yeah. to have that sort of feature built in in the system that is nice what i was picturing is like an ellipsis which would not no. be good. <laughs> no, no, not not ellipsis. It knows how to. So basically, if it has enough space, it will show the full name. And then if it has a middle name, it will shrink it first and then remove it and then shrunk. I think uh, at some point it becomes only, I think, the initials or just the first name or something like that. But it knows that to do this in different languages and formats, which as the, like as designers, we there's only that, that many languages we can know and we can mm. design for every possible case. Although a lot of the stuff we work on is pretty much English, uh, American English. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes, especially on the web, we don't do a lot of like um, localization, but it's useful to have something like that. But but yeah, I agree that uh, you have to use content that's as close to what you will end up with as possible. And one of the rookie mistakes is not doing that. And I at some point, lorem ipsum was very popular, and it's fine to some degree if it's just going to be like some very long body of text that you don't know what's what is it. But if you're building like a, something that shows a list of some type of like titles or something, I think it's very important to try that with actual data. And I see a lot of designer developer disjoint. One of one of the facets of that disjoint is the designer makes really nice mocks with the best pictures. Uh, high resolution, really nice copy. And then when it ends up in the real app, you end up with uh, pixelated pictures and, and, and weird copy. Like sometimes you have punctuation, sometimes you, you have, a, I don't know, a lot of things that you haven't thought about. So th that's one of those things that uh, Thaba we try to eliminate by making designers do that sort of like integration themselves. Yeah, I think a lot of those design decisions you can't work out unless there's some sort of workflow that I'm unaware of. Like I usually use just one type of content when I'm working in a mock-up, right? I'm trying to get yeah. a feel of how it looks with that one type of content. And then as soon as I bring it into the web app, I'm adjusting how it looks to various different kinds of content. So yeah. I, I don't even think like you said, use as real as possible. You also want to use, Re as real as possible and a varied amount of content. Yeah, right, right. Because even if I just took that same content and I put it copy in the app, it. copied and pasted it, 
Yeah. It would look perfect. And, (laughs) and in my mind, it would be like, it would be perfect. Um, I'm sure there's some slight adjustment there, but like there wouldn't be the same need for design for like, you know, long bodies of paragraphs versus like, maybe they only want to write one or like the varied content that users will eventually add. Yeah. I might be I might be making this up, but um, in, there was a sketch plugin that allows you to pull some JSON and and use it in your mocks. Uh, I will have to double check this, but I have a feeling I've seen this very recently, and I thought it's a neat idea. Uh, of course, it would require you to have some service sending the JSON, or maybe it uses just local JSON. I'm not entirely sure, but regardless, I think it's a, not a bad idea. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. Yeah, because you can change the content and then just like uh, in a file and then it would be reflected in your design. Yeah, that's great. I'll make sure to, to look it up and link to it in the show notes if uh, if I if am not dreaming it. this up. <laughs> and if I am dreaming it up, I should make it. Otherwise, yeah. I'll go to jail. Podcaster jail. That's <laughs> yeah. where you were this whole time, right? Well, I, I'm making false promises or spreading false information. So I should rectify that. And I, I looked at the uh, Sketch plugin format. It's it's pretty accessible in terms of like, it's just JavaScript, I guess, uh, as far as I can recall. So it should be fairly easy to do. But uh, yeah, I guess, I guess this is basically we talked about user-generated content and then just like how content affects design. And I think these are kind of like, some, they go hand in hand because regardless of who generated the content, uh, be it the user or the backend, the design needs to make sure that the content looks good. But also, in my opinion, it should also weed out the bad stuff. So if a string is mal, like mal formatted, then we don't show it. Or we, we, we format it, then we show it. If an image is too small, then we just don't show it. <laughs> or or we don't actually allow the user to upload either the user or whatever backend system to not use images that are smaller than a certain size. I disagree with you there. So I would, the way that I would go about that is let them upload it, but give them a warning of, Hey, this picture is too, like is very small. And we suggest, you know, uploading a bigger one for the best experience for your users or the people seeing your profile. Right. I don't know. I'm not sure how effective that would be like on mobile apps. They don't even have this problem because or at least a lot of them don't have because you take a picture from your phone that you have taken with your phone, which usually is the same resolution. I feel like this is mostly a desktop thing. And people usually, a lot of like normal users, I mean, normal in the sense that not like uh, tech savvy, they don't even know what like what resolution is. Or, I mean, they know what resolution is, but they don't know what's the resolution of an image and how big it needs to be and that sort of stuff. Right. And in most cases, they're not going to want to go and find another one, which is why I would let them upload the small one. Because the, the, I'm assuming that the small one is still better than no image at all. Uh, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can always have some nice fallbacks or some default like avatar mm-hmm. or something. There are like some even some creative ways, like some doodles or some like random shapes that I've seen apps use. Basecamp has a very nice default avatar system. I think it's one of my favorites. I'm not sure if they still have it, but it's it's pretty nice. I think they do. Um, yeah, because they're 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 shapes. They're they're small illustrations that 
that look like faces that appear to be like faces but aren't actually are, faces. Are they hand are they like hand drawn or or Yeah, I'm either? pretty sure they have either one of their designers on staff as an illustrator or they just have an illustrator on staff. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Cuz they they actually have awesome illustration uh if you go to their homepage right now. Um they have a great illustration. Yeah. But yeah, I think I I personally I'm in favor of having good defaults and then preventing the user from doing whatever they want. I'm not expecting everyone to agree with me. And Gordon definitely did not agree with me when I said that I don't think the fav icon is a good choice here because they're ugly. But I am happy with the way it turned out because their default is probably not as usable. Just in terms of like you might end up with a lot of sites with the same initial. Uh, so yeah, I agree there's, a, there's an issue there. But at least it's aesthetically sane. And I, I'm the type of people who, who trades aesthetic sanity for, I don't know, usability? <laughs> Not really. Well, there is some usability in the fav icon. So I use, I use Slack in the web. And whenever I have like a notification, the fav icon has like a red bubble above it, right? Yeah. Can you do the same thing? In Safari? No, not with this pin tab system because it's, I think technically you can, but I'm not sure if Safari will bother updating the icon. Like technically you can change the icon. It's very, it's just changing a file basically. But how soon Safari updates the icon, I'm not sure about that. And then here's the thing. I feel like this feature, specifically this one you mentioned, was designed for Chrome. These people use Chrome, their users use Chrome, so they designed it for Chrome. I haven't used Safari recently, so I'm not sure if it works also in Safari. Uh, sorry, not Safari, I'm at Firefox. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's, it works as well in Firefox, but this is not usable in, in the latest Safari because it doesn't use five icons at all, like you don't see them. <laughs> and in the sa- so the same way, I think this feature makes Chrome work nicer. I think that the pin tab icon makes Safari looks better to me and maybe to some other people. And I don't think I don't think that all browsers should be the same. This is this is the way I think about it. Like I think browsers need to have these differences and they need to compete on these features instead of like competing on other things that are uh, how they render CSS not, and JavaScript. Let's yeah, let's not stuff, I don't have really, them compete on that. I don't I don't care that much about that part, but I care more about the user experience. Like, give me features, give me some cool things. Like, surprise me as a browser. So Safari is very. Uh, it doesn't like have a lot of these things, but it does have some cool things too, like the built-in RSS reader. The um, um, and I'm stuck. <laughs> Probably that's the only one. But aesthetically, <laughs> it looks nice too. Uh, it it looks nice. It's more performant. But Chrome also has its own fair like share of features like uh, cutting edge technologies, all the video audio stuff is much better. Uh, I think WebGL, it does it better than Safari. Um, and then this feature you just mentioned. So I'm fine with having like these small differences uh, as, as long as you care about that portion of users who use that specific browser. So I use Safari and I make sure whatever stuff I build works in Safari. Maybe someone who uses Chrome, they will never check on Safari. And I don't think this is, I think we talked about this a while ago. I think as professional people, we need to test on all browsers, including your favorite, which is IE or Edge, as they call it now. I'm still using IE Mac 5.5. 
Yeah, I I know. I'm surprised that you upgraded to 5.5. That <laughs> was that was the only one that was available for for the Mac. So for Mac, I'm st- I'm see. stuck with that one. Yeah, we need we need to be <laughs> testing on everything. But let's be honest. Sometimes we're lazy and we just check on the, the what's 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 open already, and that happens to be your primary browser. Although I do check on I do work on both Chrome and Safari. Uh, it's just a matter of which one I do check first. So these days I just check on Safari if I'm building a normal web page and then I open Chrome if I need some long like JavaScript debugging sessions uh, or stuff like that. But overall, I, I think it's just a matter of like, what's your favorite browser? That's usually what the one you try first. Yeah. But to come back to the point, I was saying that um, obviously the favicon affects usability, but I at the same time, I think it affects it both positively and negatively. So websites who take advantage of that uh, will offer a better experience like Slack or Trello and apps or websites that don't care about that will have a bad user experience. And I don't want to drop names, but a lot of apps, in fact, a lot of websites or apps don't even bother uh, changing the fav icon. So you end up with uh, the fav icon that's, that comes by default with that framework. So if it's a .NET uh, website, you will see some sort of like .NET-y icon, or, or if it's a WordPress, you would see the WordPress icon, or like that sort of thing, and that's like the worst. Just like any other thing, they could be misused. But I like uh, Apple pushing us forward, pushing us to use SVGs, pushing us to use monochrome, crisp graphics. I think that's the future. That's what we should be doing in the future. We shall like. I don't see ourselves stuck in sixteen by sixteen pixels, and trying to do that sort of stuff. I agree with you there. I think it'd be awesome to have the five icon be SVG. Yeah, I, I want I want a future where we just drop an SVG as the five icon, uh, and I don't think that's going to happen if someone doesn't try to to break from the mold and do something that's yeah sure it's going to be inferior in the short term, but it will train most of us to. Uh, well, most of us who care about Safari to include the SVG icon. And maybe in the future, uh, next version of Safari, they will use the same icon for both the fav icon and uh, like they will use the colored version for the fav icon, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it would be super easy to switch. And maybe at, at some point, like others will follow suit. I, because I think a lot of the, it's these small details that I think matter or not they are the only details that matter, but they matter a lot to me. And I think moving forward in towards these directions is as important as having more databases and more offline storage and more like faster JavaScript and things like that. I think these things also matter, like things like readability. Oh, the other great feature of Safari is the readability mode. It's just amazing. Like I, I read a lot of like old websites, like mostly uh, like, you know, uh, a lot of websites that deal with interaction usually have really bad interaction. I'm not sure if it's just me. Um, but uh, HCI and the websites that publish this sort of stuff are feel very academic, if you see what I mean. Yep. In terms of design. And I, I really enjoy using the readability because even though they look bad, they, the code itself is good. Like the HTML is sane and the, they use some like proper markup. So the, the readability view really shines when, when the site uses normal HTML and not some sort of like weird javascript injection thing so it works pretty well for some reason i i can't read on my computer i i basically throw everything into instapaper or some other way of reading on a handheld device yeah i mean i 
Well, I understand, but a lot <laughs> of the technical stuff, I'd rather have a computer because between taking notes and checking PDF files and panning, zooming images, graphs, usually the graphs are very low quality. Uh, I prefer having more power than a mobile device. I tend to read on mobile, but only pros and not technical stuff. Uh, especially for the links, I, I'm like I, I get quickly tired of switching between browser and iBooks or whatever or Instapaper, yeah. whatever app. But yeah, I guess features like these that improve readability, that improve accessing content, that improve like browsing experience, I think are very important. I did check Edge on Windows 10, which I installed last week. And I think they're doing some good work there as well. I, I like the way... The UI is streamlined. Like there's, there are very few buttons now near the the URL bar, and they have this uh, markup feature. So you can go to a page and start marking stuff up, and then share it with someone. You know, to provide feedback, that sort of stuff we do. Say using RedPen, but this is built in in the browser. I don't know the technicalities of how it you share that stuff, but I checked it and it works pretty well. I didn't share with anyone because I all of my friends use Mac. They're all like Apple snobs. But I think they're they're doing some some good work in terms of making the browser more feature rich, more accessible, more social and more uh, more also like more uh, standard compliant. Mm-hmm. Did you have did you have time to check out Edge? I have not. I think the only missed opportunity is the name and the logo because it still look at lowercase e and it's still called Edge. I mean, Edge is fine, but the lowercase e is not. It just feels Internet Explorer. I like Spartan or whatever they used to call it at first. My guess is that they know they have some brand awareness with that e and they want to stick That's to true. that. We're getting to about time, though. Let's leave it off yeah. on IE. It's a great we should note. wrap this up. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for listening to episode 10 of... Uh, it's 11, Tentative. isn't it? <laughs> or 11. I, You know, I I don't know, man. You're only on gone vacation. for one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 11. All right. So uh, thank you for listening. This was episode 11 of tentative uh for the show notes please visit tentative.fm slash 11 follow us on twitter at tentative.fm one word or send us an email at hosts at tentative.fm again thank you for listening if you enjoyed the show please leave us a rating or on itunes and uh see you in two weeks i guess